Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code podcast for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MyTake. Worried you don't have the most advanced research tech or that your partners won't be able to keep up with the speed of your business? MyTake is your answer. Their innovative proprietary insight community platform and team of fast and flexible researchers will ensure your organization truly integrates the voice of the customer into decision-making. My take, tech forward, people centered. Hello, everybody. It's Lenny Murphy. Thank you for joining the latest episode of the Green Book Podcast. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to share it with us. And you know, when you're early in a podcast, there's lots of firsts. And here is another one. Our first return guest, our very first inaugural podcast was with Dana Kim, the founder and CEO of Highlight. And today, Dana is joining us again, along with her co-founder and uh, Chief Product Technology Officer, Ethan Kello. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Excited to be back. Thanks so much for having us. Glad to be back and under very cool circumstances. So to give our, our listeners a little bit of background before we dive in, one of the, the things that I've enjoyed the most over the last, you know, gosh, 12 years in uh, working with Greenbook was uh, we launched the, the Insight Innovation Competition. We did that before we even had real events. The first iteration was a, a digital event that we did in partnership with NewMR, with Ray Pointer and his team. But to kind of a shark tank for early stage companies in the research space. And it's gone through some evolutions over the years, but it's always been so much fun and satisfying to see cool new companies getting a bit of a, an acceleration boost, or at least that's the intention by having this platform in the industry. So where I'm going with that was, you know, this year we, we changed it from the inside innovation competition to the green book pitch uh, it was held at IEX in Austin. We had multiple great companies who submitted, made it on stage, pitched to the crowd, and the winner was, drumroll please, <laughs> highlight. So <laughs> congratulations, guys. Thanks so much. It was it was awesome. And, and that's great backstory. Ethan and I, when we were waiting in line for the pitch, we're just amazed by the other founders had traveled in from all over the world. And their pitches were incredibly impressive as well. So, well, let's talk about that just for a second because there is a there is a little bit of history there that you know the winners of of the competition. Why I still think of it, I haven't gotten used to calling it the pitch yet, but the competition. Many of them have gone on to be incredibly successful companies within the space. You know, Zappy, Remash, et cetera, et cetera. But I've always said that everybody that has participated have gone on to do well too. Right? There's very few companies. If I look at the Gosh, probably at this point, close to well over 100 companies that have submitted over the years. Certainly, all the finalists, you know, they're still in business, still still kicking ass, taking names, and doing well. So you're you're right. It's been one of those really cool things to to create this platform for companies. But those that win, you know, get a special place. So Ethan, you were raising your hand. You wanted to interject <laughs> on that. Go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, you know, I'm new to the insights industry and, and market research industry as a whole. And so for me, it was really cool being at IAEX and, and really having no context for the startup pitch or the innovation challenge about, you know, how important it was or, or what it meant. And so it was cool for me to learn. I just kind of, Dana was like, hey, you want to pitch this thing with me? Like, let's go to Austin and do it. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then when I got there, I realized how, you know, how important it was, how much weight it carried in the ecosystem, how it was the one, one of the things, you know, throughout the whole conference where it seemed like everyone kind of stopped and gravitated to the one stage for an hour um, and was focused on, you know, one particular aspect. So it was really cool to see. And, and obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of hard work and diligence on the green book side to get it all set up and, and started. So, you know, thanks Lenny for, you know, everything you guys do to make it happen, but it was awesome, awesome sort of culture and great to see this thriving startup, new venture culture within the insights industry. And a lot of the new companies that are coming and growing within the industry, making us a lot more tech focused. Absolutely. And well, one, you're welcome, but thank you because if it weren't for companies like you, uh, there wouldn't, we wouldn't have an excuse to do it. But it is part of this evolution of the industry. And you're right, it's primarily technology. There's been a couple more service-based businesses over the years, but the vast majority have been companies that have established whole new ways, uh, have, have reinvented research in a variety of ways. Again, think about Zappy with automation, a rematch with qualitative, and highlight with product testing. You know, it's not that the core business issue is new, not at all. It's it's the same things we've been doing for a long time, but rethinking how to do them in a whole new way and leveraging tech to do that, that is just really cool and exciting, which is probably a good segue, especially Ethan. Dana, we heard you the last time, so we're gonna we're gonna focus on Ethan's for a minute. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so being a newbie to the industry, tell us a little bit how you met Dana and from your perspective, what drove the development of Highlight from a product standpoint. You know, tell us your story. So let me start just by, you know, introducing Highlight and what we do. If you haven't listened to episode one of the Green Book podcast, probably should go back and listen to it. But I'll give a quick blurb um, on what Highlight does. So we're a platform for in-home physical product testing. So we let researchers do high quality, fast research by getting products into the hands of consumers in their homes and delivering back the data set. So we handle everything from the recruit to the data set and all the logistics in between. So Dana and my story is, is really intertwined from understanding this problem of physical product testing being really challenging and really frustrating. So my background originally is actually as a mechanical engineer. Um, and I spent a number of years designing and developing physical products. And, you know, through that process, it worked on a lot of technical challenges, worked with a lot of users and, and business stakeholders, and, you know, really found that it was, it was challenging and difficult to get high quality feedback on my designs. You know, one of the stories that I like to tell is, is that I have digital design friends who, who would create a digital design, put it up on user testing at, you know, six o'clock, leave the office, come back at eight in the morning, and they'd have data to make an iteration. And here I was as a physical product designer, trying to cobble some friends and family together, you know, to get feedback, and it would take weeks. And, and then I get some like janky data, and I'd make another, you know, decision, another iteration. And it was a really slow, clunky, laborious process. And so, you know, I was, I was, went back to school, really wanted to focus on this product, you know, design aspect and getting a little bit away from the hardcore engineering and more into that user focused stuff. 
And while I was at Penn for my master's of integrated product design, that's where I met Dana and she was, she was doing her MBA at Wharton. And we just got connected over this, you know, particular problem that we saw. Of course, you know, Dana's background is, is in market research and did a lot of mall intercepts and focus groups and, and saw the same coin, but from the opposite side, which is just physical product research is really challenging and difficult to execute on. So that was sort of the, the genesis of Highlight or Showcase, as it was called at that time. But we're both just, you know, we both see this problem of getting physical product testing done being really challenging and, and the opportunity to automate a lot of it and simplify it with technology. That's a very cool story. And now I uh, some dots just connected in my own head there, that, that unique perspective of the, the researcher and the product expert. But now, what's interesting, though, Ethan, is that the, so your background was in designing physical products, but now you're the co-founder and chief product officer for a digital product, right? <laughs> so what's that been like? Because now you don't need to be jealous of your friends that you used to, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, see a problem, solve a problem. I think, you know, for me, it's like the problem was so acute and and I couldn't trust anyone else to solve it any better. So I just had to go and do it myself. Um, and of course, you know, Dana and I have, have been on that journey together, but it's been a transition for me. There's a lot of stuff that's the same. You know, user research is the same. You know, empathy with your users is is important and the same. There's a lot of stuff that I've been been learning as well um, from a technology perspective, from a, you know, working with backend developers and front-end developers and, and all that kind of stuff. That's been, you know, fundamentally new to me. And so this journey has been, you know, really exciting and a, and a journey of personal growth as well as, of course, business growth. But that's just kind of how it is for any startup founder. You're not going to come in and, and know everything off the bat, but, you know, that ability to flex and grow and learn quickly is, is really important. Yeah. So maybe think about something, and Dana, I don't know if we covered this during our first conversation, but it just occurred to me. Yeah, you know, we think of product research as the obviously physical products, right? Testing something you can touch, taste, smell, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the flip side of that coin is UX, is usability research. So, you, like you've, you're seeing both sides of the coin now. Are you exploring taking what you've learned within and highlight to beat user testing? for instance, right, to build a better UX platform and, and tackle that issue as well so that you're dealing with all things product, whether it's digital or physical? It's an interesting question. And oftentimes people will say, oh, you're a physical user testing. And we'll be like, sure, that's a great analog. I mean, we think of ourselves as very complementary to the digital user testing tools out there. And physical product testing is, while it sounds like, oh, just user testing for physical products, it is very complex and difficult and specific. And even though we launched, you know, January of last year, we're now a year and a half old, every day we're learning new things about how to make physical product testing better. So we don't as a business or as a company or as a team want to dilute our attention or our focus away from that quite yet. Physical product testing is total green field and no one else is tackling how to make this better and how to automate this and how to build thought leadership and best practices and really own the physical product testing sphere. So who knows what in future, you know, where we might go. But right now, that's that's the laser focus that we we want to get famous for physical product research. Okay. Spoken like a great entrepreneur, uh, <laughs> CEO leader. Nope. Just focus on this. And yeah, that's great. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. We totally have. I've been accused of shiny ball syndrome of let's try this and let's try that. And let's try that. <laughs> But we root in physical product testing as really our core business. And there is a million different directions. There are a million different directions we can go with that. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, user testing being a public company now, you know, give it a, a year or so and they'll come knocking <laughs> and see what happens. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the competition again. So from the perspective of being an early stage company, you pitch a lot, right? You've pitched to funding partners, you pitch to clients. Obviously, IX is a little bit different because you're up on stage. What have you learned about how to master the pitching process across those experiences that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, it's, it's one really simple principle, and it's tell a story. Think from the perspective of the person that's listening to you and tell a story that makes sense to them. A lot of pitches get lost in jumping right into the solution or jumping into, this is my, this is my product that I've developed. And while the product and, and the solution and all that and the market and all that kind of stuff is important, what you have to do for your listener is think from their perspective and tell a story that they're going to understand. So going into you know, IIEX and going into the pitch competition, we know that we've got a mix of researchers and, and non-researchers, you know, agency side and brand side, and then just general public audience, people who may not be as familiar with physical product testing or may have a totally different niche within the research environment. And so to us, it's really, let's set up the problem. Let's make sure, you know, we are taking the audience from a place of common ground. Here's the clear issue that we see in the market. Here's the solution. And we draw direct parallels from the issue that we see to the solution that we're developing. And then we talk about, you know, the future and, and where it can go to get everyone super excited and ready to, you know, smash the vote button at the end of the, the competition. But pitching is, and I can't emphasize this enough, and, and one of the biggest lessons that I had sort of especially in my UX research career was pitching is about storytelling. And the best story that you can tell for your users or your, your listeners is what you should focus on more so than trying to jam every metric and every piece of data into, you know, your pitch. Yeah. Sage advice. Dana? Yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll say we're exactly aligned in storytelling being the crux of what makes a successful pitch. I really like the starting a sentence with imagine if and filling in the blank. So at IIEX, it's imagine if you can execute on an iHut without ever sending a single email, or you can get your physical product research done in days, not weeks or months. Or for candidates, imagine if you took everything you've learned in your marketing career and brought it to highlight and built an incredible world-class marketing function and team here that had your name on it. Or imagine if you could be the first investor in this platform that tests all 30,000 products that are launched every year, every year. Um, and so it's, it's about painting a picture of what success could look like, not for us as Highlight or us as Dana and Ethan, but for you as listener. And that listener centricity, that user centricity is, is definitely something that pitching wide, um, design wide, company wide, we, we definitely take it to heart. That is a great perspective. Now, so you've echoed each other. That's hard won wisdom. So is that something that you've learned through the journey of creating Highlight? Or, I mean, did you go to Pitching 101? Is there some secret class that we're not aware of? Because, uh, you know, our, our listeners can't see you. You're both young from my perspective because I'm getting old. So I'm, I'm impressed that you got that. So wh where did you learn that, that piece of wisdom? Firstly, thank you for calling us young. <laughs> Um, we take pride in being youthful founders. No, I mean, I think it's all in practice, um, learning in practice, especially pitching. It's like stand-up comedy. We were talking about stand-up comedy at our happy hour, um, company-wide happy hour yesterday, and how 
it's so hard to put yourself out there and land a joke. And you never know how something will land unless you get the experience of telling the joke to an audience and seeing what they react, how they react. So I think it's the same as pitching and the same as presenting and practice makes perfect, truly, especially in the world of communications, where you learn what makes your audience tick and what makes a successful pitch and what works for you too. So even if I was selling the dream, if I didn't believe in it, I don't think that I would be able to be a persuasive pitcher, but being bought into that vision myself and learning and getting confident in the vision that we are creating together, either whether it's you know clients, investors, employees, prospects, whatever it might be, is definitely a muscle that you, you flex and build over time. You know, to be clear, Dana and I gave a lot of really bad pitches in the early days of Highlight. And I think what was important in that process was just every time we'd have like open and honest feedback with each other. Hey, that pitch didn't go so well. Well, why, why not? Like, what can we improve for next time? And every time it was an iteration and improvement. But now having done it, I don't know, probably feels like probably a thousand times at least between all the different people that we pitch Highlight to. It's just second nature. And it's something that you just kind of, you just turn on your pitching voice and your pitching face. And then all of a sudden it just kind of springs forth. But yeah, it was definitely, definitely a hard one. And a lot of, a lot of practice and a lot of feedback that got us to the point where we can feel comfortable, you know, spinning and twisting and changing the pitch for the particular audience that we're talking to. So kind of like product research. Right, very iterative <laughs> process. <laughs> oh no, we need to put the button on that side. So, got it. <laughs> exactly. It's the volume of pitching that we've done since we've started and pattern recognition of what works, what doesn't, what sticks, what doesn't. A lot of trial and error. And yes, to be clear, we've had tons of terrible pitches and we still have tons of terrible pitches, but you live and you learn and you are open to feedback and you change your ways and we talk a lot about what qualities do you possess as, you know, to enable success. And, and one of them is humility and accepting of feedback and openness and flexibility and evolving with new information and new data as it's presented. So we've definitely had a lot of pitch practice and gotten better at it, but I'm sure we'll continue to improve. We're going to take a quick pause to highlight our podcast partner, My Take. Worried you don't have the most advanced research tech? or that your partners won't be able to keep up with the speed of your business? My Take is your answer. Their innovative proprietary insight community platform is redefining community capabilities with advanced features such as integrated online focus groups and experiences web UX testing. In addition, their team of fast and flexible researchers will ensure your organization truly integrates the voice of the customer into decision-making. My Take. Tech forward, people centered. If you'd like to learn more, visit mytake.com. That's M Y T A K E dot com. I love the practical humanness of this. You know, we think about these things as being, you know, oh, it's, it's very business oriented. But the reality is that, no, humility, you know, teachability, et cetera, et cetera, that's part of being just a successful human. So this is just another application of those tools. So I, I, I love when we touch on those type of things. So what I've been curious about is that for those who listened to the first podcast or who didn't, your original concept was utilizing vending machines. And then here came COVID, wah, 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 right? <laughs> kind of messed everything up. So you switched to the digital first model and have obviously been successful. Have you thought about extensions of 
the business today that goes back to some of the, those early ideas around physical vending machines or some type of you know location-based solutions to help augment the current offering? The answer is yes, in terms of exploring different ideas beyond shipping a box to a consumer's home and getting feedback. The answer is no. Have we seriously considered creating more hardware and vending machines to expand our footprint? We know that showing up in different ways is going to be really important as our product evolves, where us fulfilling an an IHUT at our warehouse and shipping it is V0 or V1 of, of our product. And we talked a bit about this in our last podcast, you know, integrating into more organic e-com environments or riding along into, you know, Instacart orders or whatever it might be. That's definitely a next generation evolution or extension of our product offering. So we're, we're constantly thinking through new ways of showing up and new ways of distribution and how do we extend from our core business in value adding ways. But vending machines specifically, hardware, rent, fulfillment and via vans around a city, that stuff is, is feels a bit, little bit further off. So no red box for, uh, for product <laughs> research outside the local Walgreens or whatever the case may be. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> probably a good idea, actually, <laughs> to put that out. Although, you know, it is interesting. So just on that story, and you think about the evolution of Netflix. Now, this is where our age difference may be particularly relevant. I remember joining Netflix in early, one of the late 90s, the late 90s when they launched and, you know, they're shipping DVDs, right? And the the disruptive element was I didn't have to go to Blockbuster and then I could keep it as long as I wanted to without a fee, right? And as they evolved, you know, to a purely digital solution. So you're, you're in good company with that yeah, I don't think we're going to do the box thing, right? We're just going to just focus on the digital. All right. So first, has anything really cool and exciting happened since IEX? Were you mobbed with new customers who came and said, you know, take our money, please, please be our vendor? You know, IIX was awesome for us in a million different ways. Some that, you know, Ethan described where it was some of our team members' first time being in the, the buzzy energy of the industry. So there were many amazing positive outcomes of the conference, but one of them was actually after the startup pitch, we did have many people come up to us and say, I'd love to learn more. We exchanged physical business cards. It was awesome. So yeah, I mean, in terms of conference ROI and you know what came of IIEX beyond just amazing networking and meeting insights professionals and different teams and us also learning about awesome tools out there, we definitely got some great interest. So to Ethan's point earlier, really appreciate just the, the visibility that the startup pitch allows for companies like ours that are, are just starting out and might not otherwise be able to get in front of folks. That's great. You know, that sounded self-serving asking, please praise IEX. And that wasn't really no. what I was trying to get to, but I, I, but we do appreciate it. I should have been more explicit that what's the, the latest cool thing that has happened for Highlight since the last time we spoke, which was at IIEX. Gosh, I mean, we're hiring like crazy. So all of the excitement that's top of mind for Ethan is we just brought on a VP of engineering, Andrew, who's here in New York with us, who is amazing. We've since, you know, hired a few team members across different parts of the the organization that are great. Plug for us is we are hiring like crazy. So please join if this is interesting to you. 
But absolutely, since IAX in Austin, the most exciting developments have just been team additions. That's fantastic. It's a great feeling when like, wow, we can afford to hire people and we need to, right? The, the workload yes. requires it. That's a quality yeah. problem to have. And you know what? I think it's not just we can afford to hire people. It's we can afford to hire people who are smarter than us. Ethan and I are so excited to bring on new folks that can do what we've been doing, but better. And we can we can give them the here's the piece of the business that you know really well that we've been doing an okay job of and we got it to where we could. And now you can make it, you know, absolutely world class. So that's been a big difference as we grow is not only are we hiring, but we're hiring incredibly experienced, seasoned, well-respected, smart, badass people. That is very cool. Very cool. So what is next for High Life from a product standpoint? Without you know, giving away the farm. I know there's some secret plans, but what do you talk about to look forward to coming up soon? I mean, I can share that we are going through a full revamp of our client experience. You know, when we started a year and a half ago, we were young, we were scrappy, we built an MVP. You know, the clients that have used it thus far, you know, they love it. And if any clients are listening to the podcast, there is more coming for you soon. So we are we are definitely working hard on on improving that client experience, going from that MVP to you know building it out beautifully in house the way that we know that it can be, and that's sort of our next big milestone that we're that we're working towards. Very cool. So here's a question for I think all entrepreneurs early on: What is that milestone where you get to take a breath and say, "Whew, okay, we have arrived at this certain point." that is hugely important and now start thinking more longer term of where we go from here. What does that look like for you? So the milestones that are set forth in startup world, the standards I think are fundraises and therefore the stages that come along with them. And that market gut check of, you know, are you on track? Are you thriving as a business relative to other startups? Are your metrics to someone objectively looking at your business up to snuff? Those moments of fundraising from amazing investors and closing rounds are always a a moment of like, whew, we've been doing something right up until this point. And that there's an amazing feeling that a term sheet offers. To your second question around when do you start thinking long-term, we already in our you know seed raise put aside a portion towards our long-term white space innovation put a portion of our budget and resources and time towards that long-term stuff so i think we'll constantly have closer in milestones that are tied to certain stages of business growth or team growth and then the long-term vision we'll always have an eye for it i don't know if there's a moment where we'll say like ah we're we're done but we are always thinking ahead yeah i mean I'll give my very product person follow up to that is just we're always thinking short term and we're always thinking long term. What we do diligently is prioritize when things need to be done. And so we might come up with an idea and say, hey, that's a great idea. And it's something that we want to do or want to pursue. But relative to all the other things that we could be doing, it's not as important right now. And so we'll push it out later. Or we'll, you know, we'll backlog it or we'll roadmap it it for later. And so, you know, being a a startup founder and and sort of balancing the immediacy of, okay, we got to, we got to make our next fundraiser. We got to make our next, you know, 
X number of dollars in revenue. We got to keep the lights on. We got to make sure there's cash in the bank. Balancing that versus, okay, we want to do things right and we want to build things smart and scalable is the biggest challenge, I think, in the biggest balancing act. And so there's always things where you, you know, make shortcuts or cut corners in the short term to get something going and to make something work. But then you always take the longer view and say, okay, well, in six months, we'll revisit this and improve it. Or in a year, we'll revisit this and improve it. And so you're always kind of balancing that short-term and long-term vision. So then final thoughts. What is the single most important lesson that you have learned? Won't you both answer this? You can impart to other early stage founders, the, the next generation of IEX pitch uh, <laughs> entrants. And I don't just mean about, about the IEX pitch, just in general. What is the, the single most powerful lesson that you have learned personally that you would want to pass on to, uh, to the folks coming, coming up behind you? I would say, gosh, there are so many. So I would say maybe the most tactical piece of advice that I always think back to when I'm feeling overwhelmed or like there, we could be tackling a million things at once is just the importance of ruthless prioritization in your day, in your business, in your team, and making sure that you have a single North star that you, your team, your business are aligning around and the rest will kind of fall in place. So it's a little bit of two in one, but I think you can get stuck in the so many things to do, endless to-do lists, lots of emails bombarding your inbox and the best way to, to keep your head on straight and to make sure that you're moving in the right direction is staying true to that North star and, and ruthlessly prioritizing to get there. Ruthless prioritization. That's a lesson I could learn too. So like, <laughs> I, I just ignore the stuff in my inbox most of the time. But <laughs> all right, Ethan, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I was independent of Dana's answer. I was going to have a really similar one, which is just you got to trust your strategy and you have to build a strategy and, and stick to it. There's going to be great days where you land a big client and you make big progress and you launch a new feature. And there's going to be a lot of really shitty... Oh, I don't know what the swearing policy is on this podcast. There's going to be a lot of really bad days where stuff doesn't go your way and things fail and, and stuff breaks. And in both those scenarios, you have to go back to, like Dana said, what's your priorities? What's your strategy? You know, on the good days, you don't want to get too far flung and thinking, oh my God, we're going to be massively successful and, and this is, you know, going to go and, and we should just refocus on, you know, this one client or this one opportunity. And similarly, on the bad days, you have to say, this is part of the process, you know, bad things are going to happen or frustrating things are going to happen. But, you know, looking three months, looking six months, looking a year down the road, because we built this strategy and, and because we prioritize what we're working on, we know that there's a better day, you know, ahead. And, and that's really all you can do on those bad days. So yeah, trust the strategy and know that it's going to be a roller coaster. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but at the end of it, like, you know, if you, if you trust your gut and you have strong fundamentals, then, then there'll be success at the end. Absolutely. And sometimes you need to cuss. So it's absolutely <laughs> okay. So we haven't dropped an F-bomb yet, but I'm sure that it will happen and it will likely be me at some point in, uh, in one of these. So far, everything else though, I think we've gotten most of the, the excrement. Yeah. I said bullshit earlier on one. So yeah, we're all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. Guys, it's such a pleasure to have you on. And again, congratulations. It's, I'll tell you, really, during COVID, one of the things I missed the most was not being able to have the competition, not being able to help, you know, in our own little way, 
companies like Highlight to you know get a little bit of a leg up and move forward. So it's it's purely on a personal level. It's so awesome that you guys won. It's great to be talking to you. I'm sure this will be the first, well, the second. <laughs> I was going to say the first of many conversations, but really it's the second of many conversations as you reinvent the product research category. So congratulations. Any final things either one of you want to give out to our listeners before we wrap up? Check us out on letshighlight.com. Follow us on LinkedIn. Shout out to Abby, who would yell at me if I didn't say that stuff, <laughs> our marketer. <laughs> but no, it's been, it's been a pleasure. And we're excited to, to attend many more Green Book events and conferences and all of that in the future. Very cool. Ethan, any final, final words? No, just another thank you again for you know running the startup pitch and changing the name of it and dealing with that those all those challenges and of course you know thanks for having us again on the podcast. I'm looking forward to being back. Um, hopefully, you get the f bomb out of the way by the time we come back, so I don't have to be the one to drop it. But uh, yeah, like Dana said, you know we're hiring a lot. We've got a lot of open roles, and you can find all that on Let's Highlight L E T S Highlight dot com. That's great. You know, I think we have a new topic for another future podcast, the uh, research on the the emotional release and value of cussing. And that gives us an excuse. You know, we can do like the whole oh, George Carlin thing, right? And, and list all those words. Anyway, thanks, you guys. It's been great. That's our show for today. Many thanks to you for being our guests. Thank you to our producer, Karen Lynch, our editor, James Carlisle, and our episode sponsor, My Take. I am Lenny Murphy. This has been the Green Book Podcast. We will see you again, or at least, uh, well, I guess not really see, but listen, talk, engage in some form or fashion uh, in the future. Thanks a lot. Everybody take care. Bye-bye. Join Greenbook for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transforming insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.